Hey everyone, Snakebite episode number four here, and today we have probably one of the smoothest guys who's ever touched a BMX bike, Brian Blyther. Uh, Brian has been killing it for, I mean, 30 plus years now, and you know, if I, if I was 14, I probably would have made a scene in there talking to him. Um, also, I want to say thanks to the guys at digbmx.com. If it wasn't for these guys, I don't know if I would have been able to make the trip down to Cali. So big thanks to them. Um, go check out digbmx.com. It's a spot for the most original articles and videos out there. Um, I know they just had this uh, awesome interview with LaShawn Kuzba. I, I really probably am saying his name wrong. But yeah, go go over there and check him out. And uh, without further ado, here's Brian Blyther. He, he's not old enough for school yet? Yeah, he goes to school. Oh, cool, he goes cool. only like twice a week. He's like preschool. Okay. I'm kind of bad with kids. Like, Age wise. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, what? My nephews and nieces? Like, <laughs> when were they going? And yeah, I just get confused by the whole thing. Let me turn this bad boy off. Yeah. Make sure mine's clicked so it doesn't ring. I have little reminders in my phone just in case I go brain dead because <laughs> it happens. Like, where I'm like, yeah, you know, you know those times where you like you'll even forget like your best friend's name. Oh, yeah. You'll be like, you know that guy that uh, I hang out with all the time, and I don't remember his name right now. I'm gonna go through that tomorrow night. I gotta talk for ten minutes, and I'm gonna blow it. I'm sure. Oh, so you're talking the Hall of Fame yeah. thing tomorrow? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can go up there and say, "Hey, thanks, everybody. Peace out." You don't have to like do ten minutes, but uh, it's a once it's a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah, I guess. You know, yeah. so it's your induction. Mm-hmm. So you have to make an acceptance speech. Yeah, and I haven't really even thought about it. I mean, there's a couple. Maybe I'm gonna write down some bullet points tonight and just touch on a few. Ten minutes really isn't that long, so it's not. No, too bad. I remember I had to speak at Nora Cup one year. Like they had me as a presenter for like you know best video. Like yeah, you know, so and, and was, you only have to say like five things. <laughs> dude, no, I wrote down this thing because I was. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh, I, t- I tried taking it really serious, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna write down this thing and talk about. Uh, you know, just how integral the filmer is now and stuff. And then I'm like hurrying to get there and I left all the notes at my hotel. <laughs> and then like we're in the back room and I remember, I, I think it was like Brian Lopes or Tony Murray's before me and he just killed it. And I was like, <laughs> and Jason is like, good luck following that up. I'm like, oh, I got my, I, oh no. <laughs> and I just went up on stage and you know, the lights are in your eyes yeah. and I was just like, like I was so it, it like it was so embarrassed. I was just like, I don't know what to say anymore. The lights have just ruined my head. So it is tough. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know why they just don't do like a PowerPoint. You know, put up a picture, talk about it for a couple of seconds. You're like, okay, okay, we got we got Huffy, then we went Haro. This is the pipeline. <laughs> this is us when we rolled this. This is there's, Ron, there's this is Baldy for the fifth time. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, yeah, so usually just on these guys, we just, I just like to sit down and talk and Sweet. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just something I'm just excited about and just, just share stories and, you know, very cool. you go from there and we, we've talked to Eddie and Lee while we've been down here and, you know, it's been pretty fun. So, um, am I close enough? Yeah. This, this thing so, honestly picks, okay. it's pretty crazy. Like. 
we interviewed Lee outside and honestly even sounded better than, uh, it probably sound better in here because I might have to do something with like the echoing, but, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so you're getting inducted into the hall of fame tonight. Um, tomorrow. Actually. Is, yeah. Tomorrow night. How do they, do, do they contact you ahead of time? I mean, I don't yeah, They contacted me in, um, maybe it's been two months now. Uh, they they do uh, I don't know two or three months ago they contacted me and let yeah. me know that uh, I was selected. It's so the the Hall of Fame thing is so like like I feel like it should it should be a, it's a stable thing that should be in BMX and I know the freestyle part's a little smaller but it's like it's like such a mystery it's like you're like what how does this even work how you know like when you've been in BMX a long time you're like I, I have no idea how any of this even works yeah. like you know. The, the timeline's confusing because Matt Hoffman's already in, and I, I I can think of people that are even before me that aren't in, and several people after or way before Matt. But I mean, I get it. He's a he's a he's Matt Hoffman, so oh, I don't yeah. know if he went in on on other reasons, maybe uh, for you know business and whatever else. But uh, um, it's just not maybe maybe it's not perfect timeline. But then there's I think I think right now. Anybody that comes in after, well, me and after, like, I think Volker was real close to winning this year. Yeah. And I think that's just going to, when that happens, then it's going to open up, you know, the mirrors and the Marons and the, it's going to open up so many more people. And I think that, you know, I feel for like Rich Segear and Ron Wilton and people that were yeah. behind me, <laughs> I think are going to get lost. Yeah. It, and we've talked about it a little just since we've been coming, coming down it's been a topic, like. You know, I'm like, well, yeah, there's Kevin Jones and like dudes like that, and you're just yeah, like, Kevin Jones been up the last three or four years. His name's on a nomination. Well, he's list. been runner up the last. Well, I, I think I was runner up last year, but he was on the ballot with me last year, um, and at least the year before. So he's, I think he's probably in the next year or two. He, he's Do you have any idea who who is getting to contribute a vote? Is it industry? Well, it's it? all. It's everyone that's ever been inducted. So it's okay. Fifty racers. And then it's like 200 uh, industry people. You know, I, I know Woody Itson is on there and Xavier Mendez. I think Pova's on there now, isn't Pova he? Pova might be on there. And it's just okay. a bunch of industry type people. And then I don't know from there. Okay. But uh, it's not a huge, it's a few hundred people. It's not, it's not a huge amount of, and I think that once you um, are inducted, you stay on the ballot um, I don't know if it's if it's just runner up or the two runner up stay, but uh, I've been on for the last four years and then I finally got it. So I think that you stay on there. So I think Kevin's in the next year or two. I think Joe Johnson, Walter, oh, and Kevin are all on there. And I I don't know who it's hard to say, but I think real I think Volker almost got it this year. It was real close. So I mean, you know, there should be some. It just seems like we should sweep in, you know, a dozen names. <laughs> well, there's only one a year, a and they year. take and they take five racers type of thing. So it's or they take a female and a and a racer, then an industry person in racing, and then an old school racer. And it feels like it should be almost just mirrored for the freestyle side. But I mean, it's one of those things. Like it's like you you don't want to sit here and like you know. Yeah, go for it. It's it just political. something that's just got to, you know. And, they, and they, they're the ones that started it and running. Yeah, it. They, so. they invited us in just a few years ago, so. It, it'll all work out, it's I'm a sure. Cool, I mean, it's a cool facility. It's the Olympic training facility, so it's awesome. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's cool. I'm not, no. I don't have anything bad to say about it, really. No, no, no one's trying. Yeah, I, I don't not. think I can do it better. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I don't think anybody here is even saying that. It's just like one of those things you're like just curious. You know, it's just... You're like, oh, this is going on, and you, you don't know 
much about it. I really don't know a whole lot about it, but I do, I do know that uh, um, I'm pretty sure those three people are going to have to get it in the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, kind of just jumping back then, um, you know, maybe like to your early writing years, uh, about what year did you do you think you started writing? Well, as far as uh, like freestyle or just riding or just like... I mean, you racing, just where you consider like you were just, you know, you were like, oh, I'm riding BMX, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was jumping my neighbor, the neighbor kids at, you know, three and four and trying to jump over saw horses and dump things way early. I have a brother that's five <laughs> years older. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, everything he did, I kind of did at a younger age. But um, I don't think I started racing until I was about mm, 11-ish and... Uh, and I was still, you know, there was there was actually a few quarter pipes in the neighborhood, and I was riding quarter pipes once in a while. And uh, my brother had a quarter pipe at our house. And we went to Baldy several times when I was around that age. What year about was um, that? On a skateboard, actually. I didn't go on a bike. Um, let's see, uh, probably seventy eight, nine. I bet you Baldy was just so smooth back. Then. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a, yeah, it was definitely a lot better. I don't remember it ever being smooth, but it's real bad on a skateboard now yeah i've seen people like patch up the bottom nowadays because there's just so much wear on it yeah the water eats it apart and then uh and then i raced up until basically up until i mean i raced at like a place called azusa which was like they had big nationals and then i raced the pipeline and the pipeline didn't allow bikes and anything like that but uh they just decided i don't know how it happened on if you raced on thursday night you can ride the bowls for free Oh, wow. And I was already just turning, uh, I think, 13X, and it was like full-on adults I was racing. They were, like, serious. And at the 13 to 14X when I raced was just insane. So uh, I started riding on Thursday nights, and uh, they opened it up, and I never raced again. Yeah. And then so was was Pipeline, like, your first local park? Yeah, Pipeline was. I mean, it was seven miles from my house so i could ride there after school and it was all uphill there which is awesome and then you just coast home so was eddie and those dudes kind of already riding there or did that all kind of he was already riding uh bellflower and uh, lakewood and stuff lakewood and uh, they were even riding colton before i was delmar i, I pretty much came in and just wrote there's a place called pomona pipe and pool in pomona um it was already closed down but the bowls were all still there and it was still a fun park for about a year but then the only two parks, just because I couldn't travel, I mean, I didn't have a car, Yeah, um, was Pipeline and Del Mar. Yeah. So you just started getting in there and... Yeah, and I think... Um, that bowl seems like it'd be a pretty... I mean, the pipe... The combi bowl seems scary. And, the you know, from what I hear, how deep the uh, the full pipe bowl is, I mean, it seems like a pretty gnarly thing to, to the learn on. The pipe bowl is uh, 10 feet, just maybe just under... Right around ten, but it had about uh, about six or eight inches of almost vert. It wasn't even. I'm sure it was vert, different in every. But it was kind of yeah. If you erred to the right, um, I honestly think it was worse. You know, because I, I did opposite errors a couple feet out back then, but I, I didn't like the feeling on that side. But my normal side felt a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but it was just a bowl that was you know not perfect. I, so yeah. there was little kinks and little issues, but. Definitely, the bowl right behind the pipe bowl was 15 feet with like a foot and a half of maybe two feet of straight vert with no coping. The one that everybody airs? The 15 foot. Yeah. And then uh, and then the combi bowl, which was like two feet of vert that was over vert and gnarly coping. And yeah. Insane. 
Yeah, that thing it was, was a gnarly good. park. It really no, was. It did, if you were going to choose a bowl to ride, the pipe bowl, as gnarly as it was, was it was the best, it was yeah. easiest. And it seemed like, I mean, you always saw footage. I mean, I, looking back, I remember seeing, you know, there'd be footage of like Hugo riding like the Comby Bowl and maybe Dominguez and stuff. And I remember, I think you had a photo, maybe the last, in like freestyle, maybe the last day pipeline was open, like doing a berm slider out of the Comby Bowl. But it seemed like more the pipe bowl was where the BMXers rode yeah. the most. Yeah, it, and the skateboarders rode the comedy bowl, and we vice versa. You know, they liked the full pipe. Yeah, it was, and it was never an issue back then. It wasn't like, uh, you know, this is a skate bowl or a bike bowl. It was just it was yeah. Eddie made it sound like you guys had a pretty good rate relationship. Like it with, really wasn't an issue. Yeah, were there we separate did, days or did everybody? No, it was just all together, and it was, and it worked because it's so gnarly. It's like you can't get two people in any of the bowls anyway. It, you know, you're not going to have those accidents like you do in a public park where every line goes into each other. I mean, this place, they used to have back bowls. They had like a four or five and maybe a six foot. And you can actually jump in between them and do some cool things. But uh, they tore all that. And they had a snake run. But they tore all that out to build the BMX track. So. I think I'd have taken that snake run over the BMX track. Yeah. And, uh, and so all of a sudden it just was this gnarly park. I mean, everything was gnarly there. Yeah. Um. And then you, you rode there for a while. How long was it till you, you know, you started freestyle? How long was it till you got on Huffy? Was Huffy your first sponsor? Um, basically what happened, I started I started riding there. And then about six months after I started riding the bulls, I had a contest. Yeah. And uh, I rode in the contest. And uh, I think I won the 16 and under um, expert class. Well, there really wasn't even a pro class. And, uh, and, then I, and then I got hooked up with Huffy pretty soon after that. Was Huffy, like, it was still a monster company back then, oh, yeah, wasn't they it? were huge. I mean, they had, uh, I mean, I went to the factory um, when I signed a contract, and it was just, yeah, lawn, I mean, it was just, I, I didn't realize they did everything. I mean, there was just every kind of equipment. and Oh, like more than bikes? Like riding, riding lawnmowers and, and just all kinds of crazy fitness equipment and just, like, stuff I never knew about. And, uh, and it was, I mean, it was cool. It was, a you know, it paid me a few hundred bucks a month and flew me out every single weekend. I was in, I think seventh grade, eighth grade. And uh, it was awesome. It was, it was, so basically once I started riding the bulls, I mean, everything just kind of, it was progressing and progressing. I never, I never had time to think that I wanted to be a pro. I never had time to think I didn't want to be sponsored. I just started riding the bulls and just think it just, everything just started happening. Yeah. Did you actually ride a Huffy? No, I never rode a Huffy. I rode a, uh, I rode a Skyway. Um, the first half. I rode Patterson XL uh, for a while, too, with Botima Forks. I think that was probably my favorite, uh, one of my favorite bikes back then. Um, it was just kind of a long bike, and it felt good at the bowls. But, no, I just had Huffy stickers on everything, and I rode Haro gear, and uh, and they were cool with it. And we did, me and uh, a rider, Gary Hazelhorse, um, our team, and we just did, like, different shows every weekend. They'd fly me out on a Friday. I'd ride my bike to the airport. I live not too far from Ontario Airport. I'd ride my bike to the airport, put my bike on, fly to wherever, come back, get my bike, ride it home. And it was just like a, at least two or three times a month. It was awesome. What'd your parents think about it? Uh, they can't, They didn't really have a, they didn't trip out too much. I mean, i have been on my bike my entire life. We rode my dad and we all rode motorcycles. And uh, So he kind of understood. Yeah, they, they I mean, on on the weekend things it wasn't a big deal. I mean, Gary was he was probably twenty. I don't know. He was an adult, so and I was a kid, so at least there was some supervision there. Yeah. And we didn't fly together, and that was kind of that was kind of trippy. I flew pretty early on uh, by myself a lot. 
But uh, it, it all worked out. Cool. Yeah, they were cool with it. And then how long you, how long was it till you transitioned to Harlow? Was that how long were you in Huffy for? Like two years? I was not Huffy. No, it wasn't even that long. Uh, a little over a year, maybe. Uh, I think in in '84, uh, Bob Hadley, who was the team manager at Huffy, um, contacted Harlow and said, "Hey, you know, we, we really can't take this guy any farther." And uh, I don't know who contacted who. That's just the way I picture it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Harlow hit him up or what happened. But basically, uh, Bob just came to me one day and said, "Hey." You know, I'm kind of talking to Harlow for you. Do you have a problem with that? I mean, would you want to ride for Harlow? And I think like the next day, Bob Harlow called, and, and that was it. You know, was that like a big? I mean, that seems like it'd be a big deal well, back it, then. It was huge. I mean, Mike Dominguez was riding for Harlow. Rich Gear, I think Mark McGlynn and Donovan Ritter were already on Harlow, um, and they looked. I mean, they looked like they were dialed. I mean, you know, just everything just was like it was like a sick company. Yeah. And everything looked dialed, and they all had nice bikes and. Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect, but uh, I went down to Harlow within a couple of weeks and got hooked up with a couple of bikes and all the gear, and it was crazy. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it seems like it could and be. And my dad uh, went down, and we and we knocked out a contract, and uh, just like, you know, making you know way too much money at you know sixteen years old. <laughs> it was uh, it was it was trippy. It was you know. So what? And, and, and from that point on, I started realizing that was the first time I think I realized. This is crazy. <laughs> I mean, this is something's going on here. I don't know. Like it's more than you just riding bikes it, and having yeah, fun. I'm not just I'm not just riding with my buddies anymore. Doing curb windows and trying to touch our butt on the tires. I mean, we did that for years, and you know, it's just it's it's progressing and something's crazy. And then I started kind of tripping myself out. I was like, you know, my friends are partying, people are smoking weed and drinking, and and I was like, ah, man, I you know, I'm signing contracts now. What if I what if, as soon as I crash, you know, they're gonna test my blood and. I was freaking myself out thinking I'm going to Oh, like you, th- you thought Harlow was going to yeah, drug tra- yeah, test you? Yeah, I was like, because, you know, I was new on Harlow. I didn't really know what was up. And uh, then I realized, you know, after a good six, seven months that, uh, you know, you're, you're most likely here to stay for a while. So yeah. I chilled out on all that. Um, I know when they were doing the King of the Skate Park series, did you ride in all of them or did you, like, miss the first year? Uh, at the pipeline? Yeah. I know it kind of it went between three parks, didn't it? Yeah, it went from uh, no, well, unless unless I don't remember right. I know it went between uh, um, Del Mar and Pipeline. I don't remember another park okay. for the King of the Skate Parks. Yeah, I think I, I think I, I just by chance of uh, living close by, I think I started right when it started. There was no pro class. Yeah, the first so, one was just like set. What was it? Seventeen and over extra was the big big one, and then uh, and that was it. It was two classes. So I automatically was in the smaller class. And then I went, um, I think that was like 80, 83 maybe. So it was, uh, I think 83 was the first contest. So I actually entered before uh, Huffy. So I was on, I rode like, uh, Bob Morales gave me like a jersey, like a dino jersey before mm-hmm. my first contest. And uh, and I think I won the 16 under expert. And that was kind of weird. And then the next, the next contest they had, they had a higher contest. And as an amateur, they said, hey, anybody who wants to do it? And I ended up um, entering it, and I won it. So I was like, that kind of tripped me out. It, uh, did, it was just too weird. It, was, it didn't seem right. Did they have the age classes on the high air, too? or was it just open, yeah. So it was, it, it, was against, it was against everybody that wanted to do it. Yeah, was it kind of you, Fiola, and Dominguez, probably? Yeah, Segura, and uh, I think Donovan, and uh, Brian Dean. Uh, there was a handful of people. But uh, I never expected to 
I didn't think I was going that high. Yeah, you guys were going really high for. Be- I always, I always get freaked out when I'm, because I remember when I, you know, ladies. I just remember tearing forks off my bike all the time, and I'm even just imagining the forks, you know, on some bikes from '83, '84. Yeah. And then you guys are still doing what nine feet out of what the bowl is fifteen feet. Yeah. No, the pipe bowl was uh, ten. Okay. But uh, yeah. Um, I, I guess we were like 80 pounds, <laughs> 90 pounds, <laughs> maybe the difference, but, uh, I think a bike's too, then I trip out. I, I, you know, riding for Haro, I always had, you know, just because it's an appearance, you always have new bikes just by traveling, your bikes get messed up. So, um, I had new bikes quite often. Maybe that's why I didn't have too many problems, but, uh, yeah, I never really had any problems breaking bikes. I broke a few parts on when I was, I broke a pedal out of a crank and uh, I split a frame when I was on GT but I think those are more defects than anything. I don't think yeah. that's because I was a gnarly rider. And until I started doing backflips and blowing stuff out on that, coming up short and stuff like that. But, yeah. Or launching my bike and bending forks. Other than that, I didn't really, that wasn't too hard on bikes. Yeah. Um, so growing up, you, you and Dominguez are pretty good friends, right? Did you guys kind of grow up together? Or did you meet through riding? We met through riding. Did you meet at, at Pipeline? Yeah, I was kind of the. Uh, I was hanging out with a guy named Dave Breed, who was a flatland rider. He kind of introduced me to Mike and Eddie, and he actually had a, a truck and took me around to some of these places. Um, uh, Skate City, you're right. Skate City was the other one. Okay, yeah. You're right. Skate City had a contest I did not go to, so you're right there. Um, and I think that might have been the first one. Um, but yeah, I met. I met. Uh, he took me and met Eddie. I got a pair of graphite tough wheels. The only, probably the only pair of tough wheels I've ever owned except for now i got a bike today with tough wheels <laughs> but uh, uh man mike mike had a, a like a seven foot half pipe in his backyard it was like 24 feet wide but it was only seven feet tall and it was two giant quarter pipes with just cement in the middle and uh just in giant decks the decks were like as big as this room just giant fly out decks and that was a fun ramp that sounds so once fun I, once i uh went there and rode with mike and uh, we became friends and uh and kind of rode together ever since. Are you older than Mike, or is he? I'm about six months older. Than okay. Mike. We were the youngsters. Everyone else was like two or three years old. Yeah, like Eddie and those guys are kind of almost like just yeah. what almost a little like they're just the generation before you guys almost. Yeah, well, I think Mike actually started pretty early. Mike, Mike actually got the cover of that contest you're talking about in Skate City with the one hander, one footer, yeah, on the outside, which was I think is probably one of the best covers ever. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Um, he was he, he was riding as a as a grom with those guys uh, before I was. I was still racing when when they were going through all that. I might mean, have been riding the pipeline a little bit, but uh, uh, he definitely was in the scene before me. Yeah, and then towards the end of like the King and the Skate Park contest and stuff, that's kind of when the half pipe. Well, you were riding the AFA contest. Yeah, it, well, once the pipeline and all the con- or the park started closing down. I truly thought, like, well, I guess that's it, you know. Like being, your freestyle yeah, was done. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna go to Baldy Pipe and I'll, you know, cruise around and have fun. But uh, I didn't think as far as winning contest or go or traveling or anything like that. I, I thought if I, I don't know. I don't know why. I just thought it was over. You know. Yeah. Quarter pipes didn't really. I mean, I rode them as a kid, you know, because they were in the neighborhood. It's something something to do. But I didn't think they were anything you put have a contest on. Not after the pipeline and Del Mar. Because they were so epic. The parks were so epic. Yeah, I mean, there's, you can go and there's so much to do. And and uh, then all of a sudden, there's a there's all there is. You went from that to a quarter pipe and a kick turn ramp. That's yeah. all there is. And I thought, how are you going to... I mean, of course, we can all do errors. But how lame is that? <laughs> <What are> you, <laughs> you, I mean, I never, I, I never I, even I, thought about that transition. Like, 
I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't for one, I didn't think they could ever have like a crowd or or get people to to want to do it. Uh, and then it, and they did, and it was like it was huge. Like well, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll go straight up and down. Probably because most of the other part of the country was just riding quarter pipes, and you were the ones loving yeah, it. Maybe, the... maybe. And uh, I wasn't into. I mean, I didn't like it. I didn't really care. I mean, there was times where um, me and Mike were, were still good friends, and I didn't care if he won or if I got third or fourth. It just didn't. It wasn't something that I was wholeheartedly into. And uh, do you consider yourself more as like a cement park rider, like growing up? Like, is that kind of? I mean, where... that's, that's where I started, and that's what I love to do now. Yeah. But, uh, at that time, um, I don't know if I can. There was no cement parks. I mean, they all closed yeah. down. So um, I was just into. I mean, I was still wanting to ride whatever. I just didn't. As far as competing, I like going to contests because all my friends are there. You know, everyone that everyone that I knew from every contest or teammates we all get together and everyone you know goes out and gets crazy and rent cars and has fun and parties and to me that was more fun than riding a quarter pipe yeah so so were you were you pretty psyched when ron started doing like the half pipe series we're, we're and, then, and then uh it took a while but then ron did the half pipe series and uh and then i was like well that's 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 definitely better yeah and uh you know in between there there's there's some skaters that had some half pipes there's one in New Jersey we rode. Um, Tom Grohoski had this half pipe in New Jersey skater, and then uh, can't think. There was a guy Tom that lived by me that had a an eight foot uh, eight foot wide half pipe. And then pretty early on, I, I actually had a half pipe before the quarter pipe contest. I think started. I remember some pictures of you, like yeah, you had an interview had riding a, a huffy. I had an eight foot yeah, I had an eight foot wide half pipe in my backyard, but. Do you ride buffs ramp back then too? Um, I rode buffs ramp. The buffs ramp was a little bit after during the quarter pipe stuff. I mean, half pipes were starting to pop up, pop off when they're doing these contests. But these contests were, you know, gymnasiums and and small venues to where no one really thought about building a ramp or trying to bring a half pipe in uh, until Ron decided to do it. And uh, once he did it, you know, the quarter pipe scene was gone. Yeah, yeah, no, it seemed like it. Did you have, did you used to ride flatland contests a little? No, I never rode flatland contests, but in the early '80s, like uh, some of the European contests, you had to do both. Yeah, like it was all your score. You had to do flatland. You had to do the kick turn ramp. You know, and actually, that was more fun than just doing a straight quarter pipe. I actually, um, I'm not great at flatland, and I'm. You not, did invent the tail whip, though. I the yeah the foot, <laughs> the foot tail whip. The and, foot tail whip. Yep. Um, but uh, as far as 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 far as putting a run together with flatland, and you can just do a couple tricks. You know, whatever you like to do. You know. Couple tricks and a couple kick turn tricks and then a couple you know ramp tricks and to me that was uh, that was kind of fun. So all the contests had that, in the, especially in Europe in the early days. Yeah, but that was the only kind of that's the only flatland I, I never entered a, a flatland contest. Yeah, looking back on like you know maybe two hip and the AFA and King Skate Parks, what are kind of your favorite memories or like maybe your favorite contest where you just felt like you know it, it was just you know just something that sticks out in your mind. Well, I think the uh, the vibe of the pipeline contests were insane. Um, it's a small, you know, the bowl itself is this big in this room, and then there's bleachers all the way around it, yeah. and people standing everywhere. And the and the bleachers, the fence was only I think six feet high, or maybe even five feet high, but the bleachers went up like forever, and it was just like it was just a it was like a gladiator dome. It was a, it was a trippy, spooky feeling but uh, and I don't think I ever really did great I mean I didn't I didn't do my best runs I don't think ever in a pipeline contest but I think the feeling 
um, and the week leading up to it, everyone riding and the you know camaraderie and and like the GT guys hiding their tricks and me and Mike not caring and just riding. <laughs> I, I thought I thought that was a blast. It was just super fun. Yeah. And, uh, it was a, it was an awesome time. It really was. No, it seems. I mean, yes, one of the parks that you know, you always look back and go, oh, I wish I could have gotten some runs in there. You know, I think those early days before California was so jaded by everyone knowing a pro, um, or something happened because those those contests were fun, were fun. And then I toured with Huffy um, before that, and we would do a show like in Orange County, San Diego, and we'd be like in a a, a mall parking lot. And I'd be on the deck, and there's, like, people, like, walking, not even looking at the ramp, like, everywhere. And I'm like, if I see a half pipe, I don't care, you know, if it's roller skaters or skiers or I'm going to go check it out. It doesn't matter what yeah. it is. And uh, I tripped out on that. And then we go to the Midwest, and uh, the same thing. And there's, like, every people, for a mile, you can see people coming. And it was just such a bigger, you know, everyone was just so much more into it. It just it tripped me out. Yeah. Not back in California. I just think that we're jaded as far as, you know, there's so many sports here, I guess, and there's so many, everybody knows somebody, and I don't know. They just the, the kind show, of killed the, show, the hype on yeah, it. The early days, I think, was, was on fire, and then it kind of petered out. Yeah. Um, so between the contests, you know, kind of towards the two-hip contests, then, you know, Haro started doing, like, the world tours and stuff. Um and you probably kind of got on a little grueling schedule there with touring, like where it's awesome to tour, but you know, it seems like Haro and maybe even GT more kind of really just ran. You you were on the go all the time. I was one of those uh, riders, uh, especially for Haro, where basically the way it worked back then. I'm not sure how it works now, but Haro would pay for the flights to get us there, and then the distributors or the, the people there um, pay for everything while you're there. Yeah. So. It was pretty easy for Haro just to put us on planes, and then, so I would go anywhere. Man, I don't care. You know, I was the one that would say, yep, no matter where they asked if I wanted to go, because there's, you know, far south Brazil where they want to just do something. Uh, sure, you know, whatever, I'll go anywhere. And I think Dave and Ron were kind of that way, too. So we all we all kind of got along in that. Yeah, you, we you Ron, and Nori were kind of like... Yeah, they were all yes guys, too. We, we kind of would just go anywhere. Yeah. You guys, you got any good stories from any of those? Oh, there's trips? a ton of. I mean, there's the one I can think of is uh, just like that scenario where I told you where where Haro pays for your way out there. We got there and we were like eight weeks early. To what? The South America? No, we landed in Germany, I believe. Okay, and eight weeks early. Eight weeks early. So we're like, whoa! Hey, <laughs> hey by the way, you know, Bob, um, we're like way early, or I think we even let the distributors do it, and they're like, we have nothing for you, and so Haro was like. Well, what do you guys want to do? You know, we, we can't, like, get our money back. You guys are there. Do you guys want to hang out for a couple of weeks? Uh, do you guys want to? So they worked it out. The driver says, well, we got a race coming up in, like, two weeks. Um, we can put something together and maybe, like, some autographs or something. So we got this free European tour, and it was awesome. You know, we got we have friends all over, so we got our, we started calling people and getting, you know, hold of people. And uh, I think we uh, got to France and then Ron uh, crashed our first rental car. In the, in the rain, we're all talking, and he just skids, and it just goes faster and smashes in the back of this car. And that was kind of crazy, um, you know, communication. But uh, we ended up getting a van after that. We crashed that car, then we got a van. And seriously, two days after we got this van, we're in a grocery store parking lot. Big, giant uh, Volkswagen van, full-size van. Might have been Mercedes, I don't know, both like one of those big bands. 
and we're in a parking lot and they have these metal poles at the ends of each aisle and so I make a turn and I'm going to blame it on Dave Norrie he opened up the side door and you open up the door it goes out another foot and a half or you know pops out well it caught this pole and it ripped the entire not just the door the entire side of the van all the way to the back back window just completely (laughs) off and just laying there in the parking lot (laughs) and we have you know four bikes in there all of our gear for you know a, a six-week tour and just tons of gear and we just already ruined one car we're like we can't take it back so so we toured all over europe in that van with no side and at night we would just i would just go to a wall and just crash into the wall and slide against it so nobody can get in there and and we'd take as much stuff as we could into the hotel for the entire rest of the tour. When you'd be driving, would people just be looking at the car like you guys? Well, yeah, it'd be raining and hailing and, you know, the water would pour in there from the front tires. And it wasn't great, but uh, we, you know, we were on a free tour and we're not going to turn back another rental. And actually, um, a month later, when we when we went back to the same rental car place where we got it, I did the same thing. I kind of went right up to the wall and <laughs> we went in there and dropped off the keys and took off and never heard another thing about it they walk out there see the one side they're like oh, oh whoa yeah. <laughs> we check the gas on the whoa, yeah. <laughs> they get in yeah it was uh it was but that was that was by far the best we called it like the i forget what 87 80 might have been 87 86 it was like a club tour ron was into like new wave music and wanted to go to every club and i mean dave didn't really care so we went everywhere and that was when Berlin was still, you know, on the on the East Germany side. So you basically go into this cage, you give them your passports, and they time you from checkpoint to checkpoint. But then you get into Brazil, and you get into Berlin, and it's like the most beautiful place in the world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we we went all over. We visited our friends in Germany, visited our friends in England, and uh, rode a lot and hung out a lot, and it was a great time. And, yeah, and the scene in Europe in the eighties was still really yeah, good. France was a good times. So it was uh, it was really good. I think we got a ton of uh, I got a ton of pictures from uh, and we actually um, we actually put uniforms on which uh, kind of trips me out um, and all the, just the parks where you're just going through and then like a apartment apartment building there and then there's a bowl just like was weird we hit up all that kind of stuff yeah and Amsterdam had the the twelve foot half pipe the brick uh, half pipe um, Sweden had this I think it was eighteen feet um, with no decks. And it was out in the middle of, you know, the the woods. And it took forever to get up, but it was a fun rap. We rode that. Uh, oh, wow. Just all the weird stuff we rode that we wouldn't have normally got to ride. Yeah. So then touring stuff, and I'm just trying to, you know, kind of cover just some of the timeline stuff before we get stuff. Um, I know, like, 87, I think, was the first year for the Two Hip Series. And then... 88, and that's where you kind of won the overall King of Bird, isn't it? I think I won over 87 and 88. Okay. I think. Um, and then the 88 was where they had the big vision contest where Matt turned pro, right? Mm-hmm. 88's also when Swatch came out. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you about some of the Swatch tours, too, because those seemed... They were all... I mean, they're stories from every tour. I mean, from the from from the get-go, the, the Vance tour was out of control, or... We learned that we could shoot you know, the big giant bottle rockets at 70 miles an hour out the side of the motorhome, and they would just stay right with us, and then they would blow up, and you, it was awesome. And then we lit you know, South Carolina on fire like five times, and one time 
the side of the hill, and, and we, we didn't know what to do, but Mike was so fast, he's over the fence, and a fire over his head, he put it out in like 30 seconds. Dominguez? Yeah, and on, the, on this hill, it was insane. Um, that was a good time. We, we definitely, uh, everyone got, you know, you put goggles on, and you have, you know, bottle rocket fights, and Roman candles, and that's one thing about out of California, is fireworks are everywhere. Uh, that that tour was a lot of fun. And that was just like the first one um, that we we were the first ones to ever go to Woodward. That was pretty awesome. We show up at Woodward and uh, they have one plexiglass quarter pipe that they were thinking about uh, doing something with. And it was just all gymnastics camp and we stayed there for like seven days. It was awesome with just 500 gymnasts. I've, yeah, I've been at Woodward. Yeah, <laughs> good time. And I, I think that was 80, that had to have been 80, early 84. That sounds about like right. Yeah, that's about right when they I think started letting bikes in and doing the. Well, this time there was no bike. There was no nothing. It might have been early. It might have been eighty three. It might be a year. Were early. they doing the racing then? No, they were nothing but a gymnast camp. Yeah. Um. When on the, on the Swatch tour, like I've always been just curious because there's just weird stories behind it. And it's a little off topic with BMX stuff, but you toured with Gator. Mm-hmm. How was that? Was it was he weird on that, or is he just like a normal dude that? You know, just no. He was a weirdo. Um, actually, don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that noise is either. It sounds like an air compressor. But it does. Oh, it, it probably it probably, probably is right here or right there. Yeah, it is the air compressor. Yeah, Gator was. Uh, I seen Gator, and I don't even know if I should say this, but I don't care. He's in custody. Um, there was a time when um, I was hanging out with Jeff Phillips. I think I roomed with Jeff Phillips quite a bit. It was another. Sad dude, but uh, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, I hung out with all the skaters and uh, and everyone's party. And they were doing a lot of uh, there was weed and cocaine and everything on that tour. Basically, the, the tour bus we had was Guns N' Roses tour bus. Uh, Bill Silva was uh, the producer, and he did Guns N' Roses, and everything was mirrored in there. And so it was basically that there was gravity bong on the bus. It was just like it was a trippy tour. It was rock and roll, basically. Yeah, but. Uh, you want to you want to handle that or what? Vince, will you go see what that is? It's got to be. Yeah, just I don't know. If maybe they're running like a you know a power gun or something on it. You know where it's gonna run. I'll just hit pause. Yeah. Yeah, we can just we'll just start over the Gator thing. Gator. Yeah, he's uh, he was he was out of control. He um he did some things where uh, I, I... <laughs> I'll just tell you one story. Yeah. Or I'll tell you a couple stories. Yeah, yeah. One deal was uh, everyone's drinking and it's like. 2.33 in the morning, we're in Miami, and I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, all the laws and everything have passed, and, you know, all the all the things were, he's already in custody, so it's not a big deal, <laughs> but uh, we, were, we were late night in Miami, and uh, everyone's partying and had a beer, so he's like, oh, I know, we can go get some beer, and we have a 15-passenger van, so I'm the only one that's sober, so I, I'm driving. And there was a, I can't tell you all, it was four or five people in the car. And we pulled up to this, and it took like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, down, the high, just all over the place. And all of a sudden, he takes us to this liquor store. It's a, you know, like a 7-Eleven type store or a convenience store. Um, and it was open. And so he starts walking back. He walks into it, and he goes in by himself. We're parked right in front. He goes in, and you see the, the clerk kind of eyeballing him. And he walks right out towards the beer, and the clerk already goes around the corner, follows him, and he grabs two cases of beer, 
and starts walking out down the middle aisle and they meet and all of a sudden just shit's flying everywhere the one aisle fell down and it's a knockout drag out fight inside you know quickie mart or whatever it was and I was just like murder and we take off and we get back and I, we didn't, I didn't even know where I was man we're just tripping out I'm shaking everyone's like tripping out and uh, you know they're already partying everyone's already buzzed up and we're just I all of a sudden got silent we just realized how gnarly that was that was crazy so we get back to the hotel and we get upstairs and we're all still tripping out no way and all of a sudden click 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 he opens up the door and he has two cases of beer and he comes in he's like hey man you guys want a beer <laughs> it's acting like nothing and everyone's just like uh and I don't think you know I, I, I don't remember ever even asking him anything or if anybody even said anything it was weird just yeah just crazy and how far away was it from the hotel how did he get back to the it hotel it was seriously he took the train tracks or I don't remember what he said we, we kind of asked him what happened, but it wasn't like, dude, what were you thinking or anything like that. It was just like, we didn't question him. It was gnarly. So uh, then, um, that was kind of crazy. And then we went to Arizona and basically he had a, I don't know, we all seen the documentaries. He had an issue between his girlfriend and uh, this chick in Arizona. So that chick in Arizona um, came to our shows and I, I only remember this because I remember the girl because I remember there's a picture of her hugging somebody and her boobs hanging out like her side right here. Yeah. And I, think, <laughs> I, I thought it was a cool picture, but I think that was a chick that he ended up killing yeah. later on. And uh, I actually got that picture and trip out on it still every once in a while. And I got a lot of pictures of Gator. We, that tour was, was strange. I think there was all kinds of... He... He punched a couple security guards and did some some stupid things, but never would I think uh, any of that would lead to murder. But, yeah, but he was a loose cannon. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like that the Swatch tour and just for the time, like those '80s tours, just seemed so. I mean, kind of even over the top, like just the the personalities and everybody that were yeah, were in was, on them. It was well, they only had you know a few people, and they I I guess, and they just picked the the, the best people of sports at the time. Um, and it was actually everyone kind of clicked and there was nobody that ever you know there was no fights I don't remember ever there was no like fight bike or, skater tension or anything no we had that dude Barry um, that was awesome the, the trainer that basically you, you you cut your leg or you get hurt and he basically looks at it and then he's like alright sit down and he just starts rolling a doobie and asking you questions and then and that was that was the, that was their trainer on the on the tour and he just plays a joint and talk to you and, and fix you up and it was weird it was I was still I was I think I might have been 19 20 um, I was still pretty not naive because I was already on Lifesy Beach and touring with those guys but uh, uh, I was still tripping out on some of the things I was like this is this is a trip yeah when, when you come home from touring um, you live down here in the San Diego area right uh, no, you, closer you, up about 40 miles north who would you ride with like when you were just actually home for a minute, who were the people that you'd actually just go get the Volker, normal sessions with? Volker a lot. Um, he'd be down. I'd be everybody. You know, I, I was down here all the time because Haro, Airwalk, and Life's the Beach were all in San Diego. Yeah, and those are my three sponsors forever. So I was down here a lot. Um, and then Dave Nori and Volker lived here, and a ton of other riders. Um, so down here, I was here a lot more than Wilkerson lived. 
right here on the freeway. He had the two half pipes. So um, I was down here more than I think they were up there. We had, uh, you know, a few ramps and um, some of the... You had a pretty big ramp at one of your places up there, didn't you? Um, yeah. The one where that was you... a little bit later. I think that was like in the like 01 or 2. One where maybe you and Mike had that split interview, that ramp? Was that oh, yours? Oh, no, that was Mike's. That was, uh, yeah, that was a uh, 87-ish okay. ramp. Yeah, 88. That was, uh, that was a super good ramp. Yeah, it looked fun. Yeah, it just didn't last because it was in the wrong neighborhood, but it was a good ramp. But um, So you'd ride those guys. I know, I remember seeing that Airwalk ad, like when, you know, you, like you said, you were on Life's a Beach and Airwalk and... You know, I mean, those two sponsors just seemed like the best back in the and day. I guess Peregrine was the other one that was, and Swatch. Those, I mean, to me, those were, out of the time, those were the best sponsors. Yeah, it seems like you yeah. just, you get packages at your house and it's just yeah. like everything you'd be psyched on. Yeah. I just remember seeing that one ad of Pete Augustine saying he's your bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that ad was just, I don't even know what it meant. I was just like, I just thought it was like the coolest they ad. They had, yeah. They, I mean, there were companies that could do whatever they want. They were just, you know. Yeah. skater companies basically and and those guys yeah they didn't care they did whatever they wanted to do and some funny stuff how yeah. did you get hooked up with Lights of Beach and Airwalk you remember how that uh, came out? no I honestly don't um, Lights of Beach they went after just a few people they didn't they didn't have a ton of riders they went after a few people and I'm pretty sure they contacted me and uh on both of them, Airwalk was Airwalk. I think, yeah. The, both of those guys were on, those companies were awesome. Did you know that dude Sin? Did you know him? The owner? Uh, yeah, the guy who did Airwalk's program. Um, <clears throat> kind of off the track. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I'm trying to think who I dealt with. I don't even remember who I dealt with. Um, all I know about Airwalk is they paid me for about 12 years after I stopped riding for them, <laughs> <laughs> and. At, and I contacted him, and I was like, dude, you know, after like two or three years, I'm like, you guys realize you're, you're sending me checks? Like, yeah, but you, you know, don't don't say anything. You know, when they stop, they stop. Don't don't trip out. It's just uh, you were one of the riders that helped us out so much. So hmm. if we're, you know, if it, if it's a mistake or whatever, just and it was like, thanks, you know, <laughs> and it went out for a long time. Wow, it was only a couple hundred bucks, but I mean, that was a, that's it was nice. Yeah, it's a bill. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I think I think with life life's a beach. It was like if I remember, it seemed like it was just you, Eddie Augustine, Roman. Eddie Roman, and Grosso. Craig oh, Craig Campbell. Craig, Craig was it Campbell. Campbell. Um, yeah, and uh, I, that was about it. Yeah. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, everyone else was local San Diego people except for Campbell. Um, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but. Uh, I was stoked when it happened. It was it was good. They they we did at, at those times. I was doing a Harlow tour. I did a Life's a Beach tour, Swatch tour. Everything happened in eighty seven, eighty eight. Where you know I was maybe home for you know six eight weeks. Yeah. Um, each each one of those years, there was a lot going on, but it was fun. I mean, super fun. The Life's a Beach uh, skaters, um, Jeff Phillips and uh, Brian. From Texas, can't think of his name. Bill Danforth. Uh, there was there was a there was a ton of them. Um, Joe Johnson, Jeff Phillips. Those tours were pretty fun. Those guys. Uh, it was like a big Texas um, team that uh, was all life to beach. We spent a lot of time in Texas area. Fun, good times. Yeah, yeah real good times. Um, towards the end of the eighties, you know, like I mean, I guess like. When everything dropped off, what around eighty nine and stuff, 
And you were still riding for Haro, but I mean, at that time, like being like one of the number one pros and like kind of having the sport kind of start collapsing in on on itself. I mean, what was that time like? You know. Well, that was that was when Matt was was just blowing up, and uh, and I was already starting to think. You know, I you know the writing was on the wall. I was already starting to things were starting to happen, and at the time I was seriously naive to the fact that. I had spent a summer home in a long time. I don't know what it's like to, uh, you know, I missed like my proms and my graduations and all that kind of stuff, just the normal stuff. And then to where it almost seemed like, I wonder what a job's like. I wonder what it'd be like to go to work and, and like, you know, have barbecues with my friends and stuff. And uh, so I was actually like, you know, if, it, if, it, if this is the time, it's the time. And I was almost ready for it. Really? To where it happened, to where they said, hey, you know, we need to cut your salary like almost in half to get Matt on Haro. It's like, that's cool. You can give it all to him. That's cool. I'm good. <laughs> and, I, and I seriously just left. And uh, was it the right thing to do? You know? Is that, oh, you just left Haro then? Yeah. So. It wasn't bad. It wasn't, I wasn't mad. It wasn't like, it was just, you know, I'm 20. I think I was 21 at the time. It's so weird. That and, and at 21, you think you're washed up anyway. You don't. You don't know that you can ride till you're. Well, that's what we. we talk, I've talked about that with a few people. It's like it seemed like everybody when they hit 21 or something, it was like this, like this. You know, it was like in the contract where you're like you're old. Yeah. You yeah, know, like 16 year old kid or 17, whatever. Matt so was. like the last bikes you really rode were like probably the 89 Bash Guard bikes. Um, I I rode. I no, I had a couple of still like 87, 88 sports that I rode. Did you like um, the sports more than those yeah, masters? Up until, and then I went on the, the with Wilkerson. I went on the, the two hip tour um, the next two years, so eighty nine and ninety, I guess. And were you still riding Haro? Um, yeah, still riding Haro. And those th- those were some of the funnest tours too, because it was like a clinic tour. You'd do a show, and it was sixteen foot wide quarter pipe too, which was a blast. But you'd do the show, and it was it was me, Ron, and Dave. Still, we'd do a show. Awesome show, fun show, and, you know, same as always. And then we do a clinic. Like anybody that wanted to ride the ramp, anybody that wanted to learn how to drop in, or and we would teach these kids. I mean, people, it was crazy. And we had all kinds of. At that time, we all had like fifty or sixty swatches. You know, swatches were still in. And Dude, I rocked. I rocked two on each wrist back in the day. And we had we had all. So you know, I get this kid on the deck. And I'm like, come on, dude, you can do it. I know you can do it. You know, just. Especially on the 16 foot wide ramp, get some speed and just ride in. You know, and. Uh, you know, if you do, I'll give you a couple watches, or I'll give you this, or I'll give you a T-shirt. And we seriously got people to do everything. If you had I mean, said you'd have given me a swatch when I was younger, I'd have been like, I'm, "What do you What do you yeah. need done?" I mean, every once in a while, someone would fall, but I mean, ninety percent of the time, it was awesome. They learned and they were stoked, and it was a lot. Riders, you know, later on said, "Man, I went to that tour, and you taught me how to do this and that." And I was like, "Wow, trip out." That was kind of weird. Yeah, that sounds crazy. I mean, that that's something I feel like. You know, there's always been more clinics with racing and stuff, but it's something that's really, yeah, it's just, you know, the freestyle side never embraced wholeheartedly, you know? Insurance probably wouldn't be too stoked on it. Yeah. But, uh, I don't yeah, think... Teaching guys the, and girls, you know, to fly out and uh, and even just foot plants or disasters or whatever they wanted to learn, 360s, fly outs, the deck was pretty big. Um, it was awesome. And then you always get the kid, the one or two kids that can ride and uh, they're fun too and you, and you basically just ride with them and... And then eighty percent of the kids wouldn't even want to touch the ramp. They just want to do a couple of flatland tricks. So Nori or whoever was doing flatland was Nori's always so psyched on that stuff. Yeah. I mean, he still does that he stuff. He still does it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll see him and he's like, "Oh, I'm setting up the show. Yeah. I'm bringing three extra bikes. We've got pegs to put on kids' bikes that they're bringing." And he's like, 
so amped just to be like, I'm yeah. teaching these kids, bam, and you're like, you're like, you are so psyched right yeah. now. And his yellow Chevy Love. <laughs> it's a trip. But yeah, he's, he is stoked. And he always has been. Oh, he's the most, he's like literally the most stoked human being like you can ever hang out with. On tour that day, we would, we would stay up all night and do shows all day and he would get up at whatever, I don't know, early. He'd clean the ice chest out and get us all fresh ice and fill it, clean the van out and take all the trash and just like, he was dialed. I mean, he was up early and just, he was dialed. He was the one that always did my brakes. I was, I could do things to my bike, but I always hated brakes and he'd always dial my brakes in. And Dude, we went on a road trip with him like a few years ago. I think he was like 49 or he might have been 50 and we were driving down to one of those old school jams at Woodward and he's like, okay, meet me, meet me in Ashland. We're going to drive down. And we stopped at Solid in Sacramento and we're like, oh, we're going to sleep at Solid. And he just grabbed some cardboard, made a pillow, curled up in the, up in the corner, just like you would, you know, like for a 14 year old on a road trip, you're just psyched, just got his spot, went to sleep. And I'm like... Like this, Dave. You know, it's Dave Nori, and he's like, you know, he's just so psyched to go ride yeah. that he was just like, I'm just gonna post up over here in the corner, get my spot. And like you said, he was up early. He had the coffee going. And he was our tour mom. We called him. Yeah, he, but it was just like it was so cool to see, like, especially just being younger, that somebody that you always saw in the magazine yeah. stuff, and then you you do a little trip with them, and he's just he's so down, down to ride, down, and yeah. and he. he it was just all about the bike riding and just having fun with his friends. And he's still, he, you know, it's just, he's still like that. Yeah, he's true. So it's true. It's interesting that mix of riders, the three personalities that you are able to tour for. Oh yeah. How many years? I think we're, I think we're all ups like six years, but six gnarly years to where it was like seven, eight months a year. And, uh, and you, Ron and Dave all do seem a little. Ron was at the time, uh, he was a Mormon and he was a straight edge. Um, to where he was uh, more of the businessman. He would contact. We'd wake up. You know, Dave would have everything dialed. Ron would start calling the bike shop and saying, hey, we're, you know, only 10 miles away. Are we going to be there at this time? And what do you want us to do? Or park? Or blah, blah, blah. And uh, make sure that he get the check and give them the T-shirts. And, like, he just did all that kind of stuff. And uh, I pretty much did not much. I mean, I did whatever needed to be done. I'd change tires or you know, when they're doing whatever, we, we had a lot of problems with axles and and issues with the trailer and Ron crashing all the time. So, Paul had a Paul had a question about a, a one of Ron's wrecks earlier. Where yeah, I'm not for sure if you were in there, but I've heard about the a, a crash where Ron rolled a van. Yeah, Dothan, almost killed Dothan, Paul freestyle. Were you Dothan, in the van? Dothan, Alabama? I sure was. Can you tell? I us think about I got that? hurt the worst. I was peeing blood actually the next morning. To where I didn't enter the contest. Who all was in that van? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like every... Dave Norrie. Uh, and Dave Norrie was amazing because he saw it coming and he stood up and it was a slow motion roll and he walked the entire way over the van and <laughs> and then was standing and skidding down the highway when it was upside down. And he was tripping out. What? <laughs> and, and Dave Norrie's not the most... I won't say he's not athletic, but I mean he—he he, he obviously got balance. But uh, I didn't picture that out of him, and he—and he pulled that off like. And, and I was in the front seat, sharing a front seat with Mike Dominguez, and I got worked. I don't know where I landed, but I landed on something where it hit my my gut. Um, and then there was a, a toolbox, one of those toolboxes, big metal gnarly toolbox in the back that just missed everybody um, flying. 
And I think there was probably a good eight, maybe ten people in that van. It was a fifteen passenger van. Do you, do you remember who was in the van? I know, I know Nori. Um, I know Mike D. I know Volker, um, but couldn't tell you after that. Um, Dennis McCoy. Dennis McCoy was in there because I got pictures. Um, was Woody in there? I don't know if Woody was in there. Woody was the voice of reason back then. Was Hoffman in there too? I don't. Couldn't tell you. It's very possible. I've heard the um, list before, and it was it was everybody. It was a lot of people, and uh, and it was a full sober Ron. And sober Ron is crazier than hammered anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and he would do the most ridiculous. He'd jump out. He was the one jumping out of the hotel rooms, fourth, third floor to the pool, and he was the one that would jump from rooftop to rooftop. And uh, he was just he was out of control and driving. He was just, I mean, if I was driving and I, I could do the most out of control thing and he would want more. You know, you jump, you know, 6th Street jump, remember it was 6th, 2nd Street in Austin? Anyway, there was a jump where you get like three foot of air in, in pretty much any car and it was long. It was like a tabletop and it was, and you would land on a downhill and it was, man, we did it all night long. He, he was just, him and Spike, Spike Jones was like that too. They were just out of control of cars. But Ron decided to, um, come off the freeway about 80 and then e-brake through the intersection and it, it's fine because some of those cars back then you stick the e-brake down and as soon as you let go it comes off so it was kind of it was like made it perfect it was like you know total stunt driving it was fun but this one locked so it's like and it hopped a little bit and then flipped do you guys have a trailer on the rig that time too no it was a renter van okay it was a renter van it was one of the and he paid, I think he paid like 7800 bucks to, which is a lot of money back then. Um, but yeah, nobody really got hurt. I got hurt a little bit. I don't know what I did, but, uh, you know, I was, I was peeing blood the next day and scared me. I think I could have rode it. I wasn't, I never really went to the hospital. I don't I probably did, but nothing major, but I just didn't ride because I was tripping out. Was anybody pissed at Ron or was it just the next day like, no, oh. He, no, the cops came and he said a dog, you know, ran from him <laughs> and the, the skid marks are like. From the bottom of the yawn ramp all the way up, and they're like, oh, "Man, what kind of dog was it?" And they asked everyone out. It was a lie. I mean, they knew it was a lie immediately. Yeah. And then uh, we we were upside down, and we're in front of this store called Little Britches. <laughs> and so Dennis goes gets a piece of cardboard and makes it say "Little Bitches," and right when the cops come, and it was just like it was a whole it was a whole deal. And I got pictures of all of it. It was, <laughs> it was just uh, it was strange. But at the time, nobody got I me. Mean, that was a gnarly, to me. It was a gnarly crash, and nobody got hurt. It was just like, man, thank God, yeah. Wait, do you know what year that was? Was it? 87? I think it was eighty-seven, Dothan, Alabama. I mean, it was Dothan, Alabama. I know that for sure. It was a contest, and I remember uh, um, because Dothan, Alabama, the year before, I never had luck there because the year before, I was I was riding like the Beastie Boys, and I'm doing like a first straight takeoff off the kick turn ramp. Going Mach 5 towards my first air, always my highest air, and my chain broke. Oh. And I just ate shit so hard. And it wasn't so bad that I probably couldn't get up and ride, but it was just like it took the wind out of me, and my knee hurt, and everything hurt. And I was just like, peace. And uh, then the next year we rolled. So I don't know if I ever did a full run in Dothan Line out of that. <laughs> uh, so right around, you know, going from the 80s to the 90s, and you were doing like two hip tours. 
Um, I know there was a period where, you know, Ron was doing like the Meet the Street contest. And I, that was cool, too. Um, it feels like maybe towards the later Meet the Street contest. I mean, you, you won the street, right? You, you won the street title one year, but I think it was like when you were on GT, right? Yeah. Well, right after, right after the tours, I, I started uh, touring with GT. I, I'm going to tell you right now that the yellow performer that you used to ride, I always sweated. I, I don't know why I sweated, but it's just like... I still have one if you need one. <laughs> a yellow performer. Yeah, Xavier actually has it in his garage. Don't. Like those neon pro freestyle. Yeah, it's not like, right. some blue. Like, yeah, 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 it was the pro freestyle. Dude, that bike was so sick. Um, one thing is so many people were asking me about that bike because I don't... Everybody's so used to seeing you on a Haro and then you went to GT and, you know, when... You're young. You're like, you know, it's like back then. You know, when when we were pursuing it, was, it was weird. And the only reason I did it is because Woody and and Big Bill, who ran the program at Haro, were running the GT program. So it wasn't like I was going to GT. I was just going to go do shows for these guys. Yeah, that was the way I was thinking. We always so many people want to know why uh, you don't. You never ran a pots mod. You just run a straight front cable that just went down and looped up. Because I never did bar spins. So you just and didn't even I care. Never, I never did it, you know. Um, Tell up errors. There was, there was a lot. I mean, my 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 whole list of tricks is like eight tricks. I mean, obviously, though, I can do you know a bunch of variations that. Uh... Sorry, Oscar. <laughs> is that Hugo's brother? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go see them after this. Oh, sweet! Because they're they're at Augustine's house, right? Yeah, are they gonna be at? Well, you going to Volkers tonight? I don't know. I'm supposed to go meet Pete and do. Volkers having a party tonight and uh, rant party. He got his quarter pipes out and box jump right in front of his house and. Uh, dude, dude, it's a good time. I just know I'm supposed to go to Augustine's right after this. Well, they're all gonna be there too. So just tell them to meet you at Dave's at five. It's supposed to be at five, whatever time it is. Yeah, maybe we'll just call them after yeah, it's this. Yeah, four thirty, so it'd be perfect to go straight there. Um, so you had a really long break. Front brake cable, though, that was sort of... Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I ever built a bike until I was in my 30s. You know, I didn't... <laughs> it, it sounds weird and lame, but I never really did, and I never had to. Um, my bike shop, my local bike shop in town, absolutely loved... You know, I'd send all my bikes. Harlow would just send bikes there. GT would send bikes there, and they'd build them. And I'd go, handlebars, right about right there, cool, tighten it up, and done and on the road i very rarely broke parts and if i did i would grab probably another bike or something it's just i don't know it sounds weird to me it sounds sounds lame now but uh i really never really worked you know if it had, it had a long cable on it and if it got when i did candy bars or something and i got there was times where i ripped my shoe off coming back on the front brake cable pulling my leg back and we're on the handlebar too but uh if there wasn't an issue like i stopped running i'll tell you it was probably before um, 1996. It was 1996. Uh, I was doing a look down somewhere on the East Coast, and my brake lever got caught in my shorts, and I yanked, yanked, and I yanked so hard, I just did like a complete 180 the opposite side, and just wham, just knocked myself out, and I took my front brakes off, and never, was it? never had brakes since then. Front brakes, and because the only thing I really did with front brakes, I do like a. Like a 360, you know, stall, like halfway up the quarter pipe, um, front wheel 540s and stuff like that. But uh, I wasn't doing, you know, Canadian nose picks or anything quite yet. But uh, that's the one thing I wish I would have kept them on for, some of the nose picks and, and those kinds of things. But uh, never really had interest to put them back on. Um, 
And then go on the same thing. I just never. You just never like. Needed. I mean, if I if I had a gnarly crash to where I got wadded up and my bars would spin around and stretch the cable or take, tear the cable up, I was like, man, why don't I don't have a pots mod? But it was just like too much work to for just <laughs> the once a year crash type deal. Did uh, so when you got on the GT and you started riding those early two hip contests, um, was that kind of refreshing? Just like kind of riding like a street contest back then, or were yeah, you more into that style of riding at that time? No, I was still just into riding. I mean, I never really, you know, I my style of riding is I don't know if you call it lazy or what you call it, but I like to land smooth. I like transition. I don't like to, you know, I can jump off three sixty off docks or stairs and. Handrails never really interest me. Um, it just wasn't. I like to. I like. I like hips, and I like to land on something and flow around. That's kind of like my style. So those contests were like, you jump over the car or land on that ramp, or you cross over here, or just transfers and spines were were fun to me because they were pretty new. Um, all that stuff was a blast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just I just remember seeing you know the the pro freestyle, and it, yeah. It was, I don't know. It's just fun seeing you on a different bike. I know yeah, it sounds. I know it sounds probably it sounds even weird to you, but just that, like as a younger rider, you were just like, oh, you know, this is sick, you know, like, and you know, it was a neon bike, and it was the early '90s, so of course you were psyched, <laughs> you know. Well, I remember the first time I, I think, t, maybe a, a not a two hip, a T one might have been the first bike that I had that uh, I actually got a bike that wasn't forced to ride. And that was awesome. I was stoked. And then I had two months for a while, and then I rode some bikes. There was bikes where I just, I had to ride bikes that, you know, not that they weren't awesome, and it was awesome to get free bikes, but it was kind of cool just to get different bikes after that. Yeah. Kind of tripped me out. And I like seeing pictures of me on, you know, or riding some other I, I remember pictures of you on, t- on the T1. I remember there was a picture of you, you know, with like your cop car parked, and like your buddy had a, or was it your vert ramp or your buddy's vert ramp? That was actually my buddy who was a... a a cop and uh, but my ramp at his house. Yeah, he's a rider too. He's he's a bird rider. That ramp looked fun. Yeah, that ramp was rad. Um, really good. So how long did you ride for GT for? I rode from GT from ninety like one to about two thousand one. Oh, really? That long? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of didn't do much from like ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, no, I take that back. No, because I saw you on a on a GT tour with Rob Nolly in '98 in Oklahoma. Okay, City. so I don't remember where there was a little bit of a break, but it wasn't that long. It wasn't even a year. So I took a break and uh, actually worked. I think it might have been '93. I think '93 I worked most of '93 as a computer uh, dude. <laughs> I basically went out and fixed ATM machines and stuff for about almost a year. Um, that might have been ninety five. I think ninety five. I was out of the out of the out of the game for almost the whole year. Yeah. And then ninety six. I went back on the road, and then uh, yeah. And then did did you ever have the urge? Because even in the mid nineties, you were like what in your late twenties. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have the urge to like, you know, when Matt started doing like the B three contests or you know the X games were coming around? Did you kind of did you ever have an urge to try to get no, in those out of the vert? game at that point i was riding you know a lot of ditches a lot of uh i was riding some street um i wasn't riding a lot of vert i was yeah. riding everything but vert there's bowls there was a lot of backyard bowls a lot of pipes and um there were some skate parks starting to pop up um cement parks but uh no i think uh i had to do a show in like when, the, when was the x games oh five 
Uh, well, they, I think was the first. 95, 95 was the first so year, 95 yeah. 95 was the year I was out. So 96, I did a show at the, at the uh, at Interbike. And I remember Mira being there and a few other people. And I haven't I hadn't been on vert ramp in like a couple of years. And it, I was on a GT, and it was just like, man, this is weird. I I, so basically riding that ramp that day was um, learning, you know, all over. But I had, I had a good time, and it was, it was it, but it wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was, you know, representing myself well. I wasn't blasting. I was uncomfortable. Everyone, you know, I, I must have rode decent. Everyone was pretty stoked, but I just wasn't comfortable. So uh, from then on, I started riding uh, a lot more, a lot more vert when I yeah. find it. Do you feel like... But but to answer your question about the X Games and BS, I wasn't, you know, could I go there and maybe get top 10? I, you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to battle for, you know, against Jay and Matt and, and, and Dave. Yeah. I wasn't in the, wasn't in that game, but could I, you know, get sixth, seventh, eighth? And I did a couple times and a couple like the Soul Bowls and things like that that were fun. Um, not that it wasn't still be cool. I just, you know. You just weren't feeling I wasn't, it. Yeah, I wasn't going to be competitive, so. Yeah. Do you? That's, that's people that are competitive do it. Do you feel like, since you've been in BMX for so long, and this is something I, I feel like I, I always see, is, you know, you guys were still riding. Like, I think the guys your age were still riding into the 90s, but do you think, like, the BMX industry almost, like, closed the door on you guys too early? I mean, there's people still riding. You guys, I mean, you still ride really well, and I feel like there's a resurgence where nowadays it's like, you know, BMX starting to embrace dudes that are like, oh, you're still killing it, and you're, you know, you're part of our history. But I feel like in the 90s, it was like, oh, if you guys were pro at this time, well, we're going to wipe the slate clean. It was, a, it was a changing of times. So there was definitely different things going on. Um, and, and maybe in some in some minds, yeah. It, it definitely was such a long gap that all the people that rode or were pro were petering off. I mean, yeah. people were going to jail and... And getting cracked out and whatever was happening, um, so there was. It was almost like a, a line of we're starting fresh, and that's kind of that's kind of what happened. It did it definitely kind of feel like that a little. It was. It was. Uh, well, we went so long without competing that I don't think many people. Matt started competing, you know, early on, and he was the one kind of pushing the ball, so he was fine. But uh, none of the rest of us really wanted to jump in and and, and compete with these guys that have been. I mean, it wasn't like they were just dicking around. I mean, no, yeah, they no, were on fire. I mean, there yeah. was, they were throwing out. I mean, there was it was dead, and they were throwing out tons of new tricks. It was getting crazy, and I think there's just that gap where everyone that we rode before kind of didn't continue to ride at that level. You think it was? Um, it was almost like you don't really want to even jump in there and try. I, I always wanted to because I what I want to do is ride Matt's big ramp. I want to get towed by a motorcycle and ride that, but, <laughs> but it just didn't happen. I mean, I was I was thinking. You know, I don't care about. Con- I never really cared about. Contests. Yeah. I mean, I was decent, and and I got sponsors, so I kind of went to all the contests. But it, and it's not like I hated it because I didn't hate it. I liked it. I wasn't big on you know getting off of podiums and doing all that kind of stuff. But you know, you do what you got to do. Um, but just to ride, I wanted to continue to ride, and, and mm-hmm. I, was, I was still I was still having fun. I can go to the skate park and do two, three, four foot airs out of a bowl. And have a blast. I don't have to learn a trick every day. I don't have to learn a trick every week. Oh, I, I feel you on that one. And there's dudes that still to this day that like freak out if they if they aren't riding perfect or if they can't learn a trick. And uh, so I think that's you know why I can still have fun and still ride. And it was still going on. It was going on. Then it was starting then. Yeah. Do you think it kind of didn't help that all the vert ramps kind of died off there well, in the early '90s? 
Yeah, skate parks died, vert ramps died. It was just another thing that was happening. I mean, it already happened once yeah. as we were riding. So, and and there wasn't anybody that was in their late twenties or thirties riding. It, we didn't even know if it was possible. Yeah, I mean, there, there was no there was nobody before us that was you know killing it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely at thirty like, years old or thirty five years old. It just it didn't seem right. It didn't seem possible. Do you feel like when you go to the park nowadays and you assess, you still feel like really good? Do you feel comfortable on your bike? Like, I mean, is it, well, there's I ride my. Local parks where I'm comfortable and I can do seven, eight foot airs out of bowls and uh, does it trip other people out? And you know they 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 know I'm not a youngster and you know parents and people come talk to me or kids come and talk to me and they kind of trip out. But uh, it's uh, I do I feel old? Yeah. <laughs> do I feel like I could I could always go higher and I can always push myself? But I don't. I mean, yeah. I, I very rarely ever push myself um, to go as high as I would want to or could. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, is it because of I have family and I have a job and I break myself off about every four years anyway? Um, I don't know. I don't have that, you know, I can't ride because I, I got a job thing going on. But uh, I've never been, even in, when I at my prime, I, I never pushed myself more than I needed to. Yeah. You know, there's like... Guys at Harlow said, "Father, you you go as high as you think you need to go to win, or do just enough to win, but you don't go any higher." And that was almost true. <laughs> was, and, you know, it's lame to say, but it's almost true. Um, I'm talking about compared the, to like a Wilkerson or any well, other guys that were 110 percent every time they ride. Yeah, I feel I feel like Ron and Matt still are that way. They, you know, yeah, you see Matt on his videos, and it's like I saw I saw footage of Ron riding the mega ramp, and it was yeah. Like, it just feels like they can just flip that switch and they, you know, the blackout tunnel vision focus, like, that just falls so easy for those two. Well, Ron, just doing eight-foot air is the scariest thing in the world right now. I mean, Ron, just Ron riding a, a vert ramp freaks me out. He's he's like, you know, he's his front wheel, back wheel's over the deck, and he hangs up and just, like, scares himself, but he's like, I don't know, he's, he's loving that. I mean, like, I don't think he can ride unless it's sketchy. Dude, when next time you see Ron ask, have you seen the footage of him trying jumping the mega ramp and then hitting an air? Jumping the whole, the whole thing? He jumps the whole thing. He said... Yeah. No, I haven't. He, he, he did like, looked like about 15 his first air, but then he said it freaked him out and he just threw his bike and rolled down the... He did a 15 foot air? It looked about 15 feet. Uh, threw, I'd like to see that. Threw his bike... Said it just felt like he's over the deck, but you watched the footage and it, it yeah. wasn't. It looked like he just got up laughing. I mean, it was pretty far away because whoever's filming is on the deck, but he's like laughing, talking about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, we definitely on those kinds of things, we're opposites. I mean, he, he did, he learned every trick he learned was in a show. I mean, I'm not going to go and learn a trick in a show. That's just not, it, it doesn't, you know, doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, for him, you know, he's got a 50-50 chance. He's a good rider. He thinks it over, and I would say more than that, 80% of the time he'd pull it off, whatever it is. and then he Or he'd crash and pull it off. You know, he'd do it again until he makes it. And it's just like some shows are gnarly. He'd crash like four times in a row trying something, and the crowd, you know, it's the 80s. Everyone dug it. Yeah. And then he'd finally pull it off, and it's the raddest thing ever. And I'd be like, man. So going, going into the uh, – you were talking about your job earlier about, you know – you're not too stressed by getting broken off, but you have a pretty serious job now, which, yeah. how did, I mean, you're a cop. I mean, I don't know exactly, I don't know much about being anything about being a cop or anything, but um, what kind of steered you towards that direction, uh, you know, from, you know, being a pro rider and doing, 
and then just doing shows and maybe you know just regular jobs to wanting to go that direction. I, I needed a job. <laughs> um, I, the buddy, my buddy that had the half pipe that was a cop. Um, yeah, and even before that, let's go back ten years. Probably starting in oh. Uh, no, 95, 96, I started going to ride-alongs uh, at fairs and different shows. And a ride-along with a cop is the most fun thing. He wants to show you a good time, so he gets into crazy things. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, that's what, truthfully, I mean, you get somebody in your car, you don't want to just... Put around town? Yeah, you just don't want to... I mean, you, you, it's a day where you don't mind doing paperwork because at least you, you know, you're showing somebody a good time. So you get into, you know, whatever. And uh, I dug that. I mean, there were so many... And I realized there's a lot of cool cops out there, and I ran into a, a lot that were, you know, jackasses too. But yeah, um, through my days, and I still even today I don't like all cops. Well, I'm sure it's just like any job, you know. Like, it, are there a lot of cool cops that are? And do there need to be more cool cops? I think so. And and uh, so anyway, I, I decided uh, I need a job. I don't want to really do. Uh, I did the computer, you know, repair stuff, and uh, and so I went for it, and. Uh, and I broke my neck in a freak accident after I just got out of the academy. So I pretty much thought I just threw it away. How'd you break your neck? Uh, in, a, in a glamorous motorcycle accident out in the desert. So, um, and it was like one of those deals to where you're going into surgery and uh, they're like 50-50 paralysis. It's right on your spine. We're going in through the front and back and, and uh, just uh, kind of crazy. Just one of those things to where... It kind of wakes you up a little bit, um, but it was what it was. And then, luckily, about six months after that, um, I started working. So I got hired. And I'm not going to say that uh, I'm not much of a politician, so I wasn't much into like lo- you know lobbying for you know bikes and skate parks. But uh, that didn't help either, or didn't hurt either. Um, you know, getting out and then not feeling like you have to worry about getting busted at every skate park. Yeah. Would you go ride parks that, I mean... Yeah, but I would never stick around. You know, cops come on mountain first one gone. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't really mess around. I'm, but, uh, you know, those kinds of things are uh, some benefits. But do you, I've never got a ticket in a skate park ever, but then I've never given one either, so... Do you feel like when, like, being a cop, being like going from being a pro... Pro, you know, BMX guy to being a cop is it? I mean, I, I I really don't know about it, but you know, is it maybe a little bit attractive because it does have an adrenaline rush sometimes? And oh, definitely, definitely. There's, I mean, it's not the same. You don't do the same things every day, and I like stolen cars because they run. You know, I like you know, I like showing up first on somewhere that's pretty serious because you know that it's and and most gangsters or most you know burglars or whatever they don't necessarily hate you they just want to get away I mean, yeah. they don't necessarily want to fight you they want to get away so it's uh, if I catch you and, and you know you may be pissed for a minute but it's like it's you woke up that morning you knew you were going to do something sketchy and it was possible you are going to get caught and you got caught and most guys or girls don't trip out they're like pretty respectful and you know I'm not jackass and want to beat everybody but uh, yeah. I, I want to catch you and so it is what it, I mean it's, it's it's not a good time to be a cop it's in the public perception yeah Cops are horrible, and uh, I, I rarely admit it, and I don't ever admit it, especially on an interview or in public very often, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not a jackass. I'm pretty fair, and uh, and I don't have to... It's definitely... I don't probably, have to, you know, work patrol, really, in skate parks and worry about, you know, 
skaters or bikers or anybody. So, I mean, it's definitely probably helped. You know, the way you, has it helped since you have traveled the world and you know when some people just stay in their town and they have such a oh, small-minded yeah. view on things. Oh, and yeah. you've traveled so much and seen so much and dealt with so many different people. I mean, that probably does help you in your job. Well, I, I you know. I've lived a life, and I've done a lot, and I try not to be a hypocrite. <laughs> so it is what it is. And there's a lot of cops that come straight out of college and, and don't really have any life experience. And are those always the guys that are that are assholes? Not always, but sometimes they are. Yeah. Well, you're a nice guy to me, so <laughs> it's stressing. Do you want to kind of just talk about just writing nowadays and, you know, like maybe the resurgence with, like, Haro and... Sure. And then... Um, I think over the last 10 years, let's say, yeah. I, think, I think riding is, uh, I'm not one of those, I'm not a surfer that, that you know, you get 20 miles away from the beach and, and you feel like you're dried up and you got to get, I, I just, I don't ride because I have to ride, I ride and I, I ride because I still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I feel lazy, I feel fat and I feel, you know, if I don't ride like a couple times a week, I just feel funky. Yeah. Um, it's somewhat of my Jenny Craig. I mean, it's like, it, it's a little bit of exercise. It's a little bit of fun. Um, I have kids, I have a, a wife, I have a family, so um, you can go drink beer in your garage all night or you can go to the skate park and, and ride. I prefer, to, I prefer to ride still. Yeah. It may not always be that way, but uh, for now I still dig riding. No, I mean, yeah. And, I mean... And, and, and yeah, this year has been unbelievable. I started the year um, getting inducted into the, the Harlow Legends team behind uh, Dennis McCoy and Mike Dominguez, which is unbelievable. I mean, it's... You know, my joy of riding bikes as a kid, come to them, honor me with, you know, this, and it's cool because they're selling these old bikes and all the money goes into a pot to help us travel and do things. I mean, it's a cool, cool concept and uh, very, very, very honored. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I, everybody seems, seems excited about it that, that I'm around, you know, yeah, and it's very cool. And then they, uh, then they, they, they repop the Haro FST, which is kind of cool. They not only repopped. The FST, the repop, the bike that I rode, which is an inch longer, basically the same size as the Sport. Yeah. So the frame and forks are, are a straight pop of the bike I rode, um, which is kind of kind of cool. And then they did a, uh, a complete bike. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, kind of the geometry of the of the Anderson SD. That's the bike I've been riding for a long time. And real similar. And uh, it's a complete bike, and it's pretty well, dialed. And what, like the FST graphics and everything? And yeah, it's orange with the FST yeah. graphics. Yeah, it, it looks sick. old, but it's it's brand new geometry and everything. It's it's badass. Yeah, I saw Tyler Fernagel was riding one at that Vans contest, yeah. and that was pretty cool seeing him yeah, on that bike. Cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. Who do you who do you uh, like? If you go out riding right now, who are dudes that you've been riding with? Uh, I ride with. I mean, I ride at a couple local parks to where it's kind of the same kids every once in a while. Um, but I also ride the bowls, and you can go. You can go. Ride, I can go to a bowl, and there'd be nobody that rides the entire night. Yeah. Or there may be a couple of skaters, and I can't ride. You know, but you know, a run or two every, you know, five or six minutes. So yeah. If there's a couple other people there, it matter if they're bikes or skateboards or scooters or whatever, I don't care. It just it helps me, you know, enjoy myself more. If I just sit there by myself, which is often, you know, there's nobody there. Um, I'll take a I'll take a run like every you know couple of minutes and. And I can't just ride one bowl at that point, but I'll, I'll bounce around and, and ride everything. But uh, if there's a group of people, I'll ride my favorite bowl, like, the entire night. Yeah. Do you still get? Do you still ride with some of the people that you used to ride with back in the uh, day? Mike rides once in a while. Uh, Randy Lawrence is a dude that still rides quite a bit. Um, I ride with him once in a while. 
um, you know, Biz comes around, Heath Penner rides quite a bit, um, that whole crew is around, um, um, Bowen rides quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't call necessarily, but I run into these guys at parks all the time and it's always fun. When, yeah. When we, we hook up. Xavier Mendez is another guy that rides quite a bit. Timingus rides, like I said, once in a while. Um, and I, I, the parks I ride are pretty north. So it's not too many of these guys down here in San Diego. Volker's been hurt for like a year and a half. So I uh, read Perenni quite a bit. Just a handful of kind of whoever. Yeah. Yeah. New school, old school. I don't care. Um, so usually when we end these, we usually kind of go over a few questions that people like, you know, just post up on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and just kind of, you know, just go over a few little questions from people. No uh, Pat Schrader, who's... Yeah, I've known for a while. Pretty awesome flatland guy. <laughs> he wants to know any of the Swatch tours or MTV appearances. Did you or any of the guys ever hook up with any of the VJs? Hmm. No, not that I know. And because the problem with those shows where they film like 12 or 15 episodes a day. So basically, you film one of those shows. You know, it's the MTV, uh, whatever those dance shows were that <laughs> we were always on. You would, you would dance for like 20 minutes and they would do their things and then everyone would change clothes and they would start another deal. So there was a day that we, and they let us, we did 12 shows all wearing the exact same clothes. Everyone else changed and then we all wore the same stuff. <laughs> and that was pretty funny. But uh, no, I, I, I definitely never did and I don't think anyone else did. As yeah. Well as, uh, there was one where you guys were like actually dancing. On yeah, 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 yeah. Downtown Julie Brown, I think it was. Yeah, no, that's who he's asking about specifically. Yeah. Downtown Julie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember that we we did all twelve episodes or fifteen whatever it was all day long and none of us are dancers I mean Ron I guess likes to dance but <laughs> but we just it was just funny so and it's really only like ten fifteen like I said twenty minutes each one and then they switch and, and just do another one yeah fill in all the blanks later uh, the guys at Malali Bike Park you know Malali up in the Bronx mm-hmm. they, they want to know next when when's the next time you're planning to come over to New York. Well, I actually plan on going to New York um, next summer with my family, and uh, I'll definitely bring a bike. Uh, I don't know how long, probably like a seven to ten, maybe two weeks, days, something like that. Yeah. And uh, I'll definitely be in the city, so I'll, I'll find I know we haven't put it out anywhere, but we're trying to, with Malali, it's the very beginning of things, but we're trying to do a contest over there with them, like through like snake bite and stuff. So. All right. Um, and we want to maybe do like a vet class and stuff. So Sweet. there's actually a vet class going on tomorrow at a park down here. Yeah, we're gonna be. Are you are you on that Paula contest? Well, no, I'm supposed to do some things at the at the Hall of Fame thing. Oh that yeah, sucks. that that, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean it's a bad day. And then the, and then the bands, the, the old school bands warp tour is tomorrow. Yeah, like Thorn and those bands and uh, and Vert Ramp and like Hoffman and Thorn and I think McCoy, Cavalero, McCoy. It's up at San Bernardino. It's a, okay. about an hour and 20 minutes away. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff going on tomorrow. But that'd be awesome, dude. That's right by my house. I mean, it's right by my house. I like that he's like, I want to go to the contest instead of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I want, to go, I want to go to the punk show. I want to go to the punk show, and then I want to go to the contest, and then... I just got to go to this Hall of Fame. If it's late, I'll make it. <laughs> One dude just asked if you have any... If you have any spare tennis balls for his wheel. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, why... So here's my theory, and you can answer it. I could just be... I always felt like you guys stuck tennis balls in your wheels, and I think you were the one that, you know, everybody, because I remember my buddies, we always stuck tennis balls in our wheels. 
I feel like you did it because no one trued their wheels back then and it kept your spokes <laughs> tighter. No, it kept your hub clean. It would roll around the hub and keep the hub clean. Oh, I but, but that's not really why. Um, there was a there was a right down here. Well, where was Harrow before? Harrow was down off of a little more south. So at the old Harrow building, um, we went out to do a photo session one day, and we set up the quarter pipe. You know, back behind there was a tennis court, and there was like four or five tennis courts and people playing, and their balls kept always coming over, and just. I kept kicking out and doing front wheel, you know, little hops with the balls and messing with them. And finally, I don't know what happened or why, but I stuck one of my spokes. And then I thought, that's kind of weird. It's going to make my wheel funky. And so I started doing errors, and I was watching it, and it kind of tripped me out, and I just never took it out. And then I put one in the back, and it stayed there for like a year. Dude, so many kids. It's that easy. <laughs> I mean, I feel like so many people stuck tennis balls in their wheels right after that. It's just it like, just, yeah, it was just one dude, of those things. I think everybody's stuck a tennis ball on a wheel at some point. At some point. Yeah, like you're just like, that the thing's going in there. Yeah, it fit, and I put it in there. And then I thought it was going to be heavy or kind of make my wheel, you know, spin weird, but it didn't, so I left it. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's it. I'm just super psyched that you actually, you know, took time to sit down and let us nerd out and, hey. you know. You got, I've been telling Xavier, you guys got to come up to Oregon and take some runs, man. Like, thanks everyone for listening to today's podcast. And I just wanted to point out that uh, you can now go and subscribe to Dig BMX on iTunes. So head over there, give us a follow so you don't miss any episodes, and thank you guys again for listening. Now go outside, go fast plant something, and go ride.